Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. This is the place where we take a no bullshit look at life's little lessons. Here, together, we find the spiritual glory in even the most wicked hard story. This is a journey from fear back to love and how we can find our greatest strength and happiness in some of the most unlikely places. I believe that if you're willing to change your mind, you can totally change your life. So, are you ready to rewrite your story and choose to live free? Let's do this. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Karen Kenny Show. Uh, so today's going to be kind of a fun topic to talk about. I'm like getting excited. <laughs> I'm kind of geeking out on this episode and I'm going to tell you why. So I'm going to call this sucker. Stop apologizing for crying. Oh, stop apologizing for crying. Now, um, I talked about this subject like four years ago in a Facebook live and so many people responded, um, about it. And I was like, man, I got to do a, a podcast, like a whole podcast on this whole crying thing. Uh, and what started off innocently enough this morning, uh, I said to my sweetie, oh, I'm going to do my podcast on crying today. <laughs> I was crying yesterday. I cry all the time, but we'll get into that. Um, <clears throat> I said, I'm going to do a thing. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go upstairs. And I'm going to bang this sucker out. And what's happened is it's actually turned into a much longer process because um, I wanted to throw in a little science and I wanted to look up something that I said. And this episode was also, uh, this is going to be a special section on a question that was sent to me uh, before I had already planned to do this episode. And then somebody reached out to me with a question about crying. And I said, Ooh, I'm like spiritual team on the job because I'm actually doing a podcast about this. So I'm going to come at this like from a trifold perspective. I'm going to tell a few stories. Of course, I always love to tell you guys a good story. Uh, and then we're going to like, I'm going to weave in and out of this. So I made sure to write a bunch of shit down because <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to be all over the place, but hopefully in a structured way that you can follow. But I just want to make sure that I don't forget uh, some of the things that I wanted to say, because it's wicked important. So as you know, if you are a loyal listener of the Karen Kenny show, you know that how things work here is I'm never telling you what to think this whole podcast, right? It's about spirituality. It's about storytelling. Um, it's about you. I always say it's not about me telling you what to think, uh, but it is an invitation for you to think for yourself. So I just share, I tell some stories, I offer some spiritual perspective, and then you can take it and do with it whatever you want to do it. Keep it, toss it, fucking love it, hate it, whatever. It's up to you. It's a free country, right? <laughs> so do whatever you want to do. But I think kind of the three placeholders are going to be this concept of crying in public crying in private, and then crying on the internet. <laughs> I'm already cracking myself up. Ooh. All right, here we go. I'm going to try not to be a wicked big weirdo. I think I might've already lost that battle, but okay. So here's the thing. So uh, I always kind of like to come at things. I always say like, I like to take like the kaleidoscope uh, perspective. So um, I think that, you know, so often in the world, we're really big into like, there's the truth with a capital T. Truth with a capital T is like a thing that is eternal, changeless, like it is the truth. And then there's all these different perspectives from human beings 
walking around saying, well, I'm just speaking my truth. And really what they mean is they're like, I'm just telling you my perspective, right? This is how I saw it. This is how I experienced it. And we all know if you grew up in a family or whatever, that when you get around the table and share memories, like what the older kid versus the middle kid or the youngest kid or the only child or whatever, how they perceive things, we're all coming through things at our own lens, right? Our own our own experience, our own identity, our own um, stories and meanings that we've assigned and interpretations. So my whole thing is I'm always trying to just offer something up, whether it's a subject, a topic, a story where we look at it maybe from a little bit of a different perspective to, to look at things uh, from uh, a new POV, like a new point of view. So on the subject of crying, here's one of the things that I have found so fascinating about crying. So in the work that I do uh, as a spiritual mentor and as a transformational retreat leader and stuff, and somebody who is a continuous learner, right? Lifelong student. I often am either at the front of the room leading retreats uh, on stage, whatever the thing is, or I am at retreats where I'm in a room with a shit ton of people. And it could be anything from like small groups of 12 or whatever, all the way up to groups of like, uh, I mean, I've been in rooms where there's been like 700 people, but let's just like keep it easy. We'll say if, if it's a small group and between like 12 to like 125 people. Now, inevitably, when you're doing transformational work or, um, you know, work where you're trying to expand your consciousness or grow or heal or whatever, and, and you're in a group of people, inevitably, there's going to be a time to share. <laughs> as soon as there's going to be sharing at the kind of events and retreats and stuff like that, workshops, where there is transformational work going on, I just guarantee you there's going to be some tears. And so like when the mic gets passed around or somebody gets a chance to quote unquote share their experience or like what came up for them when they were in the breakout room or like when they were potting it up with somebody or that journaling exercise or like whatever. So when the mic gets passed around and pe different people have a chance to talk, you know, I would just say, just accept whenever you're doing this work at some point, there will be fucking crying. Like at some point there will be tears. Just don't fight it. Like just accept it. It kind of comes with the territory because what's happening is so often you're bumping up against yourself. Some people call it peeling back layers. Some people are like, you know, bringing up stuff in the past that maybe was traumatic for them or they're realizing something, or you're letting go of old beliefs, or you're telling new stories, or you're diving into your old stories, and whatever it is, but a lot of emotions are going to come up. And one of the things that I realized, because um, I've done it myself a gazillion times, so, but one of the things I realized is that the mic gets passed around, you know, people get on the mic, they start to talk about things, and emotions start to bubble up, and eventually there's like tears. And the one thing that I have seen time and time and time again, and you can double amen hands me if you have witnessed this yourself or have done this yourself, but inevitably when somebody starts to cry in public, almost always there's a moment where they say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Now you see this when people are being interviewed on TV, you see it in documentaries, you see it all the time where there's like somebody is bearing witness to another person publicly, whether it's being recorded or not. And when a person bubbles up with emotion and tears happen, and they always say, I'm so sorry, 
<laughs> and it's like, I always think to myself, what are they sorry about? Like, what are we sorry about? Like, and, and who the fuck are we apologizing to? Like, what is this? What is this thing about? It's like, we become embarrassed for our tears. We become embarrassed by our tears. And I remember writing this thought down. This is, I'm just going to read this direct. These are my words. I was said, I said, it's like, we're a little embarrassed about our tears. Like we feel like we have to apologize. Like, I'm so sorry that I'm fucking inconveniencing you with being a human being and having emotions. Right. And it's like, why do we feel so bad about it? It's not like we're imposing on anybody. It's just a sign that we are moved or that we are moving emotion and feeling in our body. Okay. And it's like, and for me personally, I love being moved by something and whether it's a piece of music I'm listening to or something I'm reading or a movie I'm watching or a video that I see where somebody's rescuing an animal or there's an act of kindness or like whatever. And of course there can be tears that come up for a variety of reasons. And we're going to get into that when we talk about the science of tears in a minute or in a little bit, but it's like, all we're doing is that these emotions are bubbling up. We have a chemical experience that's happening in our body. We start to cry. And then inevitably people will like, just be like, I need a minute or they cover their face or they go like this. I'm just holding my hand out like to the camera, like, no, no, no. Like, because whether we've been ingrained, and especially as New England is, especially as mass holes, right? Uh, whether we've been ingrained that crying in our culture is seen as a weakness or whatever the thing is. Um, and I, I guess, I guess this is just a little love let up from my hat to yours to just say, can we just stop apologizing for crying? Can we just stop apologizing for our tears? Because I think it's really, really important for us to acknowledge um, that we have feelings, that we are a human being and that feelings when feelings, when they are manageable, I guess is what I'm saying, right? I'm talking about tears that happen as a natural occurrence of you being a human being. Um, Cause there are happy tears. There are sad tears. There are tears that happen when like you've been moved by some sort of art or something that you've seen or whatever. And, and the reality of it is, is that like, you know, I cry every single day at some point at something. I'm a really, like, I'm a wicked sensitive person. Uh, it, what, what that means is, you know, often when we say that I'm a wicked sensitive person, what people think about is, oh, you're somebody who's highly empathic or you're somebody who feels so deeply and it must be so hard to be in the world. And it's like, well, I kind of look at it like I'm really sensitive, meaning I'm really aware. I'm aware of the energy around me. I'm aware of the love around me, but I'm also aware of the suffering around me. Um, and, you know, sometimes in our culture, we can see that as, oh, she's so fucking sensitive, right? Like it's a bad trait. I think it can be a superpower if we know how to manage it, right? If we don't become completely overwhelmed all the time by all the, 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 frequencies and vibrations of other people's emotions, because a lot of people don't know how to control their emotions. A lot of people are just kind of like bleeding out or leaking out their stuff, like all over the place. And, and we'll get to that. And that's why for wicked, highly sensitive people, it can be difficult to be in large crowds of people who are not self-managers, who have no like spiritual or emotional, uh, let's call it stability. Okay. Um, so we're going to talk about all this, but I remember one time a friend of mine posted on Facebook, like in a group or something that I was in. And she said, 
Um, when was the last time you cried? And I was howling. Like I was cracking up at the comments and, uh, you know, somebody said, oh, yesterday, whatever. I said, oh, I cried today. And my favorite one is somebody said, I'm crying right now typing this. <laughs> the image in my head. I just thought it was the funniest shit. Oh, you know, so here's the thing, you know, sometimes I cry because people are fucking mean, you know, people are mean and they're mean to each other and they're mean to animals and they're brutal to the, to the earth and to the universe and to the environment. Um, and it gets captured a lot, you know, uh, people walk around with recording devices in their pants nowadays. So, you know, it gets shared a lot on the internet. And so I try to be mindful about like kind of what I let into my sphere of influence, what I kind of let into my energetic field, because uh, I can become like easily, um, I don't want to say overwhelmed, but I can, I feel very big feelings. Let me put it that way. And so I try to be mindful. And so even though I've been vegan for over 20 years and I'm an animal rights advocate, I'm a supporter of, um, you know, animal rescue. And I, I love, 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 love that work but I try not to allow like video content of animal cruelty or whatever come into my feed anymore because I already know it exists. I already know it's out there and I make personal choices every day to combat that, to um, choose something opposite, to choose compassionate eating, a compassionate lifestyle uh, instead. So, but I just, I get the images of um, cruelty really of any kind. You know, cruelty of any kind, but let's just say in this case, animal cruelty, it can be hard for me to like get it out of my head. So um, I try to like really be mindful. Now, here's the funny thing about tears in me. Um, I didn't always um, cry. Uh, when I was a kid, even though I was a wicked sensitive kid, I also had a stepfather um, growing up who lived with us from around the time that I was like two and a half, maybe two, two and a half, three years old to the time I was um, 12. Uh, and he, my stepfather, who I considered my dad did not allow a lot of room for weakness. So I didn't do, um, a ton of crying as a kid because I really, really wanted him to love me. And I knew that he appreciated my toughness. I knew that he appreciated that I was a tomboy and that I could take a punch and that I was like a tough little kid, you know? And so I didn't cry a lot as a kid because I was trying not to cry. It's not that I didn't want to cry. It's not that I didn't have a lot of emotions. It's that I really, and it's kind of sad, you know, it's really sad when I look back and I think, oh my God, that poor kid, she was just really trying to get her dad, her quote unquote dad to like love her. And it was so bad, you guys. And I, I talk about this in my memoir. I wrote, you know, obviously I have a whole book about this experience and other things, of course, throughout my life. But one of the, one of the moments, and I'll just touch on it briefly, is that you know, when my stepfather, when my dad was telling us um, that my mother had been killed, I was taking my cues. I was always kind of taking my cues from him. And he was not crying as he told us. And so even though my sister, like my sister, just like, oh my God, it was the most, it was so awful in the most brutal way. You know, she just broke down and like, it was a huge emotional release. And it was like, obviously, obviously so normal. It was normal. Her response was actually normal. My response, not normal, uh, which is I, I didn't cry when he first told me because I'm looking at him and I'm taking my cues from him and he's being tough and strong or whatever. Maybe he was in shock, whatever the thing was, but my cue was, oh, we don't, we're not crying right now. And I was really proud of the fact of that, like, you know, later that night, it's a whole story. You can read about it. But I think about that. And I was just like, oh my God, 
I, I didn't even cry. And I was trying so hard to be so tough, even though my world had been like just blown into a million pieces. Like life would have, life was never the same again. And so what I called that was, I call it suck it up and stuff it down. So that's what I did a lot as a, as a Lawrence kid, right? Is, is I sucked it up and I stuffed it down. So I pushed down my emotions and I put my dukes up and that was my way of doing it. And they called this actually repressive coping. Uh, and repressive coping is not good for your health. So stuffing your tears, not feeling your feelings, trying to be tough, trying to be like whatever, because in some families you weren't allowed to show emotions. In some families you weren't, I'm, not, I'm just saying, this might be your family, somebody else's family, whatever. I'm just saying in a lot of families out there, and I know because I've been doing this work for a wicked long time and I've had plenty of clients from all different kinds of backgrounds and, and society and class and money and all of it, right? Um, and this repressive coping where we just try to like shove it down, shove it down, shove it down. The one thing that I can say that we know to be true in science and in the body is that it is really bad for your health. <laughs> P.S., right? So when you feel the need to cry, and I understand situationally, right? Because, and I'm not an expert in tears. I am not an expert in crying. This is just me wanting to talk about this subject because I think it's important. But I know for a lot of women that they feel like there's no room for tears in the workplace. So especially if you work in an environment that is very masculine and very male dominated, and it's like, we, there's no tears here. You know how like they said, there's no crying in baseball, right? So like, there's no tears here. And I imagine that it can be really hard sometimes when you're in an environment, when you do let yourself feel the full spectrum of emotions in your private life. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to be a different person in the boardroom or a different person at work or tears aren't allowed here, or they see you as hysterical or it makes you quote unquote weak, which is a load of bullshit. But I understand that there's a certain amount of whether it's decorum or tears make people uncomfortable. And it's like, what is happening right now? What's wrong with Janet? Or like, what's up with Karen? And that's another thing too, right? One of the things that we see a lot when we're talking about white fragility and all this stuff is like, oh, the Karens just try to cry to distract, to distract people, right? To take, to take the, the uh, attention off of the fact that they just did something awful or said something racist or whatever the thing is. And they want your pity. Now they want to distract you with their tears, right? So there's so many layers to this. And I obviously do not have time in one episode to go into everything, but I just want to like talk about that, 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 you know, they say that not allowing yourself to feel your emotions, what I call sucking it up and stuffing it down, or what they call repressive coping, bad for your health. It weakens your immune system. It uh, affects your cardiovascular health, and it also can create hypertension. So isn't this fascinating, you guys? Uh, I know this to be personally true because hello, irritable bowel syndrome. And I know I keep saying that. I got to just do the episode on IBS uh, once and for all so you guys can learn about it. But that's how my repressive coping kind of showed up in my body. Uh, anxiety, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And we can, we'll talk about that, like I said, another day. But it also, repressive coping can affect your mental health and it leads to stress, it can lead to anxiety, and it can lead to depression. So it's a really, really, really important thing. Um, so I just wanted to say that. And um, so we got to allow ourselves to feel our feelings, you know, and there's something that I've, I've heard a lot in 
again, being a, a, a New England kid is, and this might be true in like Jersey, New York, other places in the country. Um, but I can only speak to my own experience, like, you know, growing up here. And, you know, I obviously spent some time in California as well. But there's this thing that happens here where there'll be a guy or, or a girl, but let's, let's use a guy and they'll say something like this about this man's character. They'll say, oh, Billy, yeah, you know, he comes across as a tough guy, but he's like a marshmallow on the inside. Or Johnny, yeah, Johnny like, you know, tries, you know, he comes off as really gruff, but his back is worse than his bite. On the inside, he's a teddy bear, like we hear these things. And I've always thought it was so fascinating. In fact, I think I did a whole episode about this about there's a difference between toughness and strength. And one of the things that I have come to believe now in my elder years is that I think we should flip that. So instead of being tough on the outside and soft on the inside, like where you got to like break through that armor and break through that barrier and take off the mask and then you'll see the real person. I think, man, we should be so soft on the outside. We should be soft. We should be a safe place for people. We should allow ourselves to be in a place of receptivity. Like we're soft, but on the inside, mm, on the inside, mm, this is where we have our strength. And if you want to call that toughness, but you know, I mean it as strength, like inner strength, where we're good in a crisis. Like we might cry our tears, but we're good in a crisis. You know what I mean? I call this hardiness. Some people call it resilience. Some people call it grit. Some people, I mean, there's a thousand ways to like call this thing, whatever you call it. But I think I call it hardiness, where we can be soft and approachable and loving and kind and compassionate on the outside. But man, are we sturdy on the inside? So I think we should flip that. And I think that this confusion about tears making you weak, you know, one thing that those of us who know in, in the field of work that I'm in, in the spiritual world or the healing realm or whatever you want to, I'm not saying I'm a healer. Other, I'm just saying, you know, in, in this realm of self-healing work or whatever, here's what we know to be true, that your vulnerability is your strength. Your strength lies in your vulnerability, because if you cannot feel your feelings and you're repressing them or whatever, because you feel like they're not acceptable or that you have guilt and shame around the fact that you have deep feelings. I always say, I'm not saying you're a weak person, but to me, not being able to stand and own that you're a full spectrum of a human being with different emotions, to me, that's actually a weakness, right? I'm not saying you're weak as a person, but that is actually um, a weakness. And I, it's like your kryptonite, right? And so I'm like, why not have our strength be that we can allow ourselves to feel? Because it's through our feelings that we connect. When you think about this, how did babies first get their parents' attention? How did, what is one of the ways that they get their needs met or they connect or that they bond is they cry. That's how they create attachment, but healthy attachment, right? They cry, somebody safe comes and picks them up or changes their diaper or gives them food or breastfeeds them or burps them or whatever it is. And they get their need met, attachment is created, they create safety and they regulate their nervous system. Where it can get out of balance, I think later in life is in the, the classic story of the boy who cried wolf, right? He cried wolf just to get attention. He cried wolf, but it wasn't a real thing. And then people stopped trusting him. Then he didn't get his needs met. And then when it really mattered, nobody showed up. So I'm not talking about using tears in a manipulative way. And we're gonna get to that in a minute. 
Okay. So we just talked about like crying in public, like meaning like when you're in a big group of people, why do we always feel the need to apologize? And here's my other question. How come you never hear the interviewer or the camera person say, it's okay? How come? I, I mean, I watch things all the time and I'm like, they'll be like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. I just need a minute or whatever. And they might take the camera away and they cut to a different scene or whatever, but you never hear another person just kind of um, acknowledge it and bear witness to it and say, it's okay, sweetheart. It's all right. It's human. This is a difficult topic. You know what I mean? I'm like, would you just be nice? And I understand maybe it's for creative purposes or whatever. But for me, it's like, it would just be nice if somebody could just um, acknowledge it <laughs> and say, you know, it's totally human and it's totally freaking normal um, that you would uh, be crying right now. All right, here's the thing I wanted to say too. So we covered, we're crying in public and now crying in private. I hope you guys let yourself have a good cry sometimes. When emotions come up, you're in the privacy of your own home, just like let yourself cry because we know scientifically that it can be really, really, really helpful for you. And this is where the science comes in. And this is what I wanna talk about too. Um, so one of the things that I always say about crying, let me just say it like this. I always say, feel your feelings. So an emotion, so a thought comes into your mind, right? Or there's a picture that you're seeing, a movie that you're watching. There's something that is happening on the level of thought that you're taking in. You, you have a thought, you have a big feeling and the emotion arises, right? Or the nervous system smells something, sees something, it triggers something, a memory, whatever, right? So the tears come up. So we want to allow ourselves to feel the feeling. And I always say, feel the feeling that you know, everybody's heard this before, pretty much, I assume, right? Maybe I shouldn't assume. Maybe most of you have heard this before, right? In order to heal it, you got to feel it, right? Feel it to heal it. And I'm like, okay, so we can feel, we, in order to heal, we need to feel. And I always say, just don't make it a wicked big deal. <laughs> this, is, this is the part of like emotional regulation of knowing I can allow this feeling to move through me because it's going to help heal me. It's going to help me to purge, to release. And we're going to talk about that in a second, but allow ourselves to feel our feelings. And what I always say is, but don't build altars to your suffering. Now, clearly let's be smart about this. I'm not saying that you know, somebody dies that you shouldn't have time to grieve and like hurry up and feel your feelings. I'm not talking about that, right? Don't, I'm not an asshole. It's like we have got grief. It, grief is a different monster. It takes some time. I'm just saying when a feeling comes up, let yourself fully feel it. And, and again, it might be like, um, you know, might not be safe where you are to cry, right? Like I said, in some families, you're not allowed to cry. In fact, growing up, one of the things we'd often hear is, hey, me, I'll give you something to fucking cry about. Mm-hmm. How do you think that, right? Who here, double amen hands, if somebody in your family said those words to you, I'll give you something to cry about. So what did that tell you? Your feelings were not welcomed. Know what I'm saying? So now as adults, because we are self-governing, right? We can allow ourselves to feel our feelings. And I always say, but don't build altars to your suffering that you can worship at. So don't use your tears manipulatively. Don't go into high theatrics and drama. Just have the natural organic feeling, let it wash through you. And then when you catch your breath and come back to the moment, maybe you need to cry for three minutes. Maybe you need to cry for an hour. I don't know. It's not for me to say or for me to judge. This is between you 
and your source, you and your inner teacher, Holy Spirit, God, spiritual team, whatever you work with and call it, right? But it's that chemical reaction, allow yourself to have it. But if you find yourself getting lost in your tears every single day, right? Maybe there's some sort of imbalance chemically going on. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just when you need to cry and or, or when you start to cry because something moves you. And sometimes it might be happy tears. Like I said, I cry. Every, every, I always, it's so interesting to me when I meet people and they think of me as being like so tough. They're like, yeah, she's tough. And I'm like, oh my God, do you know me? Do you how often I cry? I cry every single day. I am a strong person. And yes, I can understand the, the concept of like why, like I, I can, I'm tough, but I'm not really tough like that anymore. That was all a good act back in the day, but I am strong and I do have strong opinions, right? Okay. So feel your feelings because they're part of our humanity. And in fact, I would get a little uncomfortable and nervous if people were not responding appropriately to things that maybe make us cry. Because here's the thing, I'm going to hold this thing up. You know what I'm holding up for those of you, for those of you who aren't watching, holding up a smartphone, holding up a smartphone. You know what these devices are doing in a lot of ways? They are making us numb. Besides making us a little stupid and a little rude, they are also making us, not a little, they're making us big time rude. Or let me say this, I shouldn't say anything is making us rude, right? We're not being in high consciousness a lot of times when we're on these devices. So people behave, that's the more, that's the more correct way to say it. That's the better, that's a better way to say it. We, uh, these devices have the capacity to make us rude and to check out and to be really numb and to be really numb because we, we, are, we, get, we get used to seeing so much violence, so much catastrophe, so much attacking, so much tearing down. Um, that we become a little desensitized and numb. And we don't want to let, you know, we don't want let, to let, we don't want the machines to turn us into machines. We are not machines. That's all I'm going to say about that because I could do a whole thing. So don't become numb to your own feelings and suffering or other people's. Okay. That's what I want to say about that. It's really important. Feel your feelings, let it move through you. And then, because what's happening is, is that, Tears can be helpful to us. So here's a little more of the science piece. So uh, apparently, right, there's three different kinds of tears. Who knew, right? So there's what they call reflex tears and continuous tears. Reflex tears and continuous fears. And that's the first category of tears. And those are wicked important because you ever just like walk into a place and there's a lot of smoke and your eyes start to water. Or uh, sometimes if you're putting in your contacts or some dust or something gets in your eye and your eyes water. Okay. So those are reflex tears. And if your eyes continue to water, those are continuous tears. And they're really good at protecting us from unwanted debris getting in our eye. And they're also good for like clearing out dust and shit like that. And the content of them is mostly like 98% water I learned today. How cool is that? And those kind of tears um, help protect our eyes from infections. That's really fascinating. But it's that third category of tears that I'm talking about today. And those are the emotional tears. Okay, so emotional tears, you know what they do, you guys? How cool is this? How cool is this? They flush out stress hormones and other toxins from our systems. They flush out stress hormones, emotional tears. And I think somebody said that emotional tears are more saline, like they have more salt in them. Um, and so, and I don't know if that's hundred percent true. I'm almost positive. Somebody taught me that at some point. So emotional tears 
which flush out stress hormones and other toxins from our system. And they potentially offer the best health benefits. So listen to this researches. And this is like, I think from a Harvard Pilgrim or a Harvard health study, researchers have established that crying releases oxytocin and indigenous opioids, also known as endorphins. So emotional tears release oxytocin and good feeling endorphins afterwards. And these feel good chemicals I'm quoting now, these feel good chemicals help ease both physical and emotional pain. How cool is that? Your tears, when you allow yourself to have them, right? Not be wrecked by them, ruined by them, can't get off the floor for five days. I'm not talking about that. And I'm not making any kind of commentary or judgment on that. I'm just saying, when you have yourself a good cry, that's what I'm talking about. These feel good chemicals release and ease physical and emotional pain. I think this is fantastic. Now, if you've ever watched a movie where you just bawled your eyes out, right? There's certain movies or certain films where people will be like, oh, I just need a good cry. So I'm going to go watch so-and-so movie or like whatever it might be for them. Um, and then here's another fascinating fact that I found out. They said, they did in this study, they said American women cry 3.5 times a month and American men 1.9 times a month. And I just thought, this is fascinating information. I cry every day. So I don't know about the 3.5. Mine is more like 30, 30 times a month. But like I said, small, like it's like, you know, like a moment I'll watch a video. I start to cry. I'm like, oh my God, sweetie, look at this. And then, and I'm back. You know what I'm saying? So I let myself feel my feelings because I no longer suck it up and stuff it down. I don't do that to myself. I don't abandon myself anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Okay. So I hope that some of this is interesting to you and that you are uh, finding it fascinating like I did because I was like, holy Jesus. So, all right, we covered crying in public, crying in private. Now he is crying on the internet. Oh boy. Okay. So a friend of mine reached out to me and she said, um, she said, I saw something posted on the internet. And when I saw it, I thought to myself, what would KK say about this? What would Karen have to say about this? <laughs> Which just made me crack up laughing because I probably do have some thoughts about it. You know, it's very rare that once in a while, like something will come to me and well, I shouldn't say it's very rare. It would depend on the topic. There's a lot of topics that if people came to me, I would say, I do not know enough to make any kind of intelligent commentary or opinion or whatever on this. I do skip next. Don't know. Right. But this, I, I definitely have something to say. So apparently there was a post by somebody who I don't know. And it just said this unpopular opinion. I would never hire anyone I see crying on the internet. Hashtag turn off. Hashtag not sorry, just not for me. I would never hire anybody I see crying on the internet. Okay. So I'm going to come at this from a couple of different ways. So here's my whole thing about tears in the arts, in uh, writing, uh, online, like whatever. So one of the things I always say to, so some of you may or may not know, I am a certified gateless writing instructor, right? I'm a writer. I'm a storyteller. I've been writing words and stories like my whole life. Um, so one of the things that happens a lot is sometimes people will, will share work with me or share whatever with me. And only obviously if somebody asks for my opinion or whatever, one of the things I always say is, let me start with one example and then I'll move to example two. So here's what will drive me crazy. When somebody writes a line that says something like, um, 
And then one tear rolled down my cheek and dropped onto my pillow or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, the melodrama, right? It feels just so forced and it feels so unoriginal. And it just feels like, what are we going for here or whatever? Now, look, that's just my personal opinion. Somebody else might be like, oh my God, that imagery of the one single tear rolling down the cheek. And we saw it. It can be effective. We saw it growing up. Those of us who grew up in the, in the late 60s and the 70s, right? We saw it. Remember those ads about pollution? And they had the um, American Indian chief or the Indian chief with his beautiful feathers standing on the side of the road. And that one single tear went down his cheek and it would just ruin me every time. It would just ruin me every time. Give a hoot. Don't pollute, right? Remember that? Um, but when it's written out, sometimes it can just feel really just like, oh God, this is so dramatic. Just like stop. And so one of the things I often say is, especially when it comes to emotions, right? Like big emotions and stuff like that is especially when it's time to translate them into art and whether you're going to sing about them, write about them, whatever. If it's too hot, if you have not processed the emotions, if you have not allowed yourself to, to feel all your, your feelings and cry your tears and do the work. And, you know, um, like I said, because we move right in, in the work that I do, I have a process. I call your story to your glory. That's the name of my process. And when we're first in the story, we haven't, we haven't really figured out what the deeper meaning is or what's really going on. We're just in it. We're just in the fucking story and we're in the pain and we're in the drama and we're in the feelings. That is not the time when you should be writing the story or writing the Facebook post or doing the video online on the internet. You know, it's too hot still. You need some time to process, to feel, to integrate, to heal, to be able to come out of it maybe with something other than that sucked or this sucks or this is hot or that person's an asshole. That's not actually helpful. Not really helpful for, for you either to keep repeating that story for long, 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 long periods of time. So hopefully there's like a journey that the character or you or the hero like takes and there's an act that happens of healing because otherwise it's just sad. Otherwise it just, it's just like, what's the point? And I'm not talking about like, yeah, sometimes just awful shitty things happen to people and it fucking sucks. You know, people can be brutal and cruel to each other and to animals and to the world. Um, and so, but if we just stay in that first initial thing, writing about it, talking about it, I think talking about it, obviously having a safe place to talk into, right? Whether with a, a therapist or a mentor or a close friend or your mom who loves you and will be able to create the container for you to be seen and witnessed and heard. So you don't feel like, um, you just have to do it all on your own. Okay. So, but what I'm talking about is when you try to do something too soon, and this is what we see sometimes on the internet, people sharing and then doing hashtag apology up front, raw video, hashtag vulnerability, hashtag. And I'm like, no, 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 no. The reason why this feels fucking creepy is because it doesn't feel like it's been processed yet. I'm not saying that people can't have raw emotions. It's about being mindful about when and where you choose to share those or whether you want to keep them private or whatever. I personally don't feel like I need to share everything I think, feel, experience, all my emotions with the internet, with a, a ton of people I don't know who maybe don't have my best interest at heart, right? 
So I choose when and where. Now, if you listen to my podcast, you have heard me cry on my podcast. Because I've cried on my podcast, am I somebody who shouldn't be trusted? Am I somebody that you shouldn't, you know, buy things from? And keep in mind, I'm going to address what I really think this person was saying, right? Hashtag unpopular opinion is immediately going to get a lot of eyes on the post and it's going to stir up a lot of different opinions. I know why people do hashtag unpopular opinion, right? They're trying to create engagement. But I think what this, and I cannot speak 100% for this person. I can't actually speak for this person at all because I don't know them. I've never met them. And I don't exactly know what they meant by that. Um, I just have a sense of what they were doing with that post and what they were saying. And I'll get to that in a second. So what I'm trying to say here is that um, if you're going to have really big feelings, the reason it's like have those feelings. But the reason why it comes across as dramatic, like, uh, let me say this. There have been times when I've seen people posting pictures of themselves crying on the internet, like on social media or crying in videos and then posting it on social media um, as like a post to generate whatever. Um, or I've even seen people take a picture of themselves crying and then doing an arrow pointing at the one single tear streaming down their face or circling it or whatever. And I just think like, oh my fucking God, I'm just being totally transparent with you guys. I don't mind if somebody is having a genuine reaction and they're feeling their feelings and it happens. Like I can hold a container for tears all day long. I'm like, okay, big feelings on the way. I'm comfortable with people's big feelings. Okay. However, when it feels manipulative, when it feels like you're going for theatrics and drama, when it feels like you're just trying to get attention, because I'm going to show you my thought process when I see this. Now, I'm not talking about like, I have a picture of me crying. Okay. I don't know. I think I maybe once in all the years that I maybe once I shared this picture for a point. But I didn't know the picture was being taken of me. I was at a writing retreat. We were reading each, I was, you know, we were reading our pieces. I started crying at some point. A photographer took a picture of me um, and then later sent me that picture along with a bunch of other pictures. So I had this picture of me crying. Wasn't aware it was being taken of me. Didn't ask for it to be taken of me. Was given the picture like as a gift. And it's, 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 a, it's an honest, raw, beautiful moment captured of me reading my work of my story, like my memoir, right? And that's great. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you like, cause this is me, this is how my brain thinks, okay? When I see a picture of somebody sobbing on the bathroom floor or crying like da 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 da. I always say, now maybe I'm a jerk. This is true, like this might be something I need to look at, but I'm just telling you, I'm being transparent and honest. This is how my brain works. When I see a picture, of a selfie of somebody crying, a selfie of somebody in that kind of emotional state. What happens is my brain goes, okay, so they were having an emotion and then a thought occurred to them like, oh, I should document this for my followers. Like I should take a picture of myself sobbing on the floor or I should take a picture of myself crying so then I can use it for content. So I can like, what? I always just think, so like what happens in that moment when you decide, right? Like you bump out of your feelings and the emotion to, to create content. I, I just think it's a really bizarre thing. 
And maybe we do it with other emotions. Maybe we say like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of like playing devil's advocate to myself, like live as we're doing this. Right. So maybe, well, it's like, well, what's the difference? Like if we smile and we take a picture and it's like, well, because usually again, let's go back to what Tia's initially did. Right. A lot of times when we were babies or children, tears were to get attention. So to try to like unprogram that out of a lot of our minds. And I think that's what that person meant is that if it feels gross, icky, if your um, bullshit alarm starts going off, if it feels like it's performative, right? If it feels like you're doing it to create theatrics so people will like, like you or give you sympathy or empathy, I'm not talking about somebody else happens to take a picture of you and you're somebody who works in therapy or whatever, and you're doing a post that says crying is normal. You guys, I think you're all intelligent enough to pick up what I'm putting down right now. You know what I'm saying right now. Nobody likes that feeling of manipulation. Nobody likes to feel like, oh my God, they're just posting this to get attention or they're posting this to like whatever. That's when it feels kind of gross. And I think that's what that person was probably saying. Again, I don't know. Um, but most of us like want you to be real. We want you to be for ugh, this word authentic. And I love the word and I just feel like it's been bastardized so much. Um, but we want to deal with human beings who feel real and come across as real. And tears are part of the range of human expression. That's it. And so it's like, it's okay. I think, you know, cause recently, what did I see recently? Like Adele was crying on the internet and apparently she got like a bunch of flack from people because I don't know, I don't know the whole scope of what had happened, but you know, apparently she had to cancel some tours or cancel some shows because most of her band had COVID or whatever was happening. And she was explaining it to a fan and she started to cry. And I think a lot of people pushed back and I was like, wait a minute. I'm sure it really is fucking hard for Adele to have to cancel those shows. She probably does feel bad about letting you do that. I don't think she's crying to be manipulative. That to me feels like a real human spontaneous emotion. And I'm all, I'm fine with those. What I don't like is like I said, when I think people are doing it to be performative or to, it just feels fucking gross. That's all I can say that context. And here's the other thing. What do I know? Who am I to judge? I don't know why, I don't know what's in everybody's mind, what's in everybody's heart. So I always say, take what I say with a grain of salt. I'm not attacking anybody. I am just saying, right? Feel your feelings and cry if you want to. Don't apologize for it. Part of your humanity. That's all. You're moved by something, feel it. Don't become numb. Don't let the devices and machines make you into a little machine where we become like, like little Robotron robots where we don't have any emotion. You know what I'm saying? And let's not manipulate the human experience of emotions. Okay. It's like, I understand there are going to be times when what if, for whatever reason, I, like I said, I can think of another event. Oh, one of the, one of the retreats that we did, the New Hampshire yoga retreats. Um, this is great picture of me and my, my fellow folks. And one of us, like one of us was like wiping away tears. Another one of us was kind of like laughing while crying. And you know, the other one had their arms up in the air. And it was like this thing, we were having a full range of emotion. Um, but one of the things that has been really important for me in my own healing journey 
is to stop sucking it up and stuffing it down to doing that, what repressive coping, as they call it, right? The repressive coping, that doesn't help anybody. But also don't like whore out your trauma. You know what I'm saying? Don't whore out your trauma either. Um, have, have, sometimes some things are meant to be processed in, in private. And then eventually it, you get to decide because everybody gets to decide for themselves if it's meant for public consumption. For me, a lot of things aren't meant for everybody to see. I don't have shame around crying. Like I said, watch my podcast. You will see me cry all the time. But I'm also not trying to be um, manipulative or to try to deflect or get like whatever. You know, I just think that that it's like, come on, come on. We can be better. We can be better and we can do better. <laughs> but mostly I'm waiting. I am waiting for the day when I see a show where a person says, I'm so sorry, because they start to cry. And the person on the other end says, it's okay. Can we normalize it a little bit? Can we just normalize crying a little bit? That would be fantastic. And especially it's helpful in healing um, to my younger self to know that I did, you know, because I that did a lot of damage. It did a lot of damage. And thank God, thank God, I have a wicked good sense of humor. Uh, now I allow myself to feelings to move through me. And I want you to do the same. It's one of the ways that you can, can love yourself, right? Is you can allow yourself to kind of stand in your feelings, feel them fully, let yourself be seen, let yourself be soft on the outside, and then mm, be haughty, be strong, stand in your divine knowing of your true self, which is beyond the body and beyond the big emotions and all that. But while we're here in the experience, right? The emotions are one of the ways it's like what the body's really good for is it's a communication device. It's a communication device and our, our emotions are helping us to communicate and imagine a world in art, right? Whether it's dance or music or painting or song, if it was devoid of emotion, like I said, it would just be grayscale. There would be like no color. There would be no range. There would be no feeling. And what we know, especially about like the subconscious, if we want to change, we want to change ourselves. We have to go into the subconscious and the subconscious is the realm of feeling. So we know it's part of the human experience and it's a powerful part of the human experience, but just let's use it as a force for good when it happens and not use it to make it like wicked icky. So do I, like, let's answer the question. Do I trust people who cry on the internet? My answer is it depends. It depends the context. It depends what my intuition, what my gut instinct, what my inner teacher, what Holy Spirit, like how I interpret it, how I feel it, what the frequency and the energy and the vibration of that thing is. And I don't know until I see it. And then when I see it, I can usually get a pretty good hit. Like, oh yeah, this doesn't feel copacetic. <laughs> or, oh, it just hits me and I'm moved by it because I know it was genuine. And I know it wasn't meant to do anything other than to share or express and create connection. So you guys, that's what I got for you today. Remember, there's three different kinds of tears. Remember that tears can really help us to release emotional pain and, um, and then physical pain and stress, it can be really good. Um, whether you're crying in public, whether you're crying in private, and I mean, situationally, I imagine you could be crying on the internet, whether you're on a show, a podcast, whatever, what, what, you're in film, like whatever the thing is. 
but don't let your tears become a tool for manipulation. That's all I'm going to say. We've all seen a little kid who's getting in trouble and then they start to cry to deflect their parents and not get in trouble for like the, 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 the you know, the, the little bastard thing that they did. <laughs> There's an adult version of that, I guess is what I'm trying to say. All right, you guys, I love you. I celebrate you. I appreciate you. Um, here's another, here's a little teaser. Here's a little teaser, you guys. Um, um, I actually cried on the internet actually this past week. Um, I was involved in a week-long training. I'm in a really cool training. I'll tell you guys about it uh, maybe in a couple of weeks uh, once I complete my certification. But um, I'm involved in a really powerful um, subconscious reprogramming, healing model. Like I'm just... I'm just fucking jazz. That's what I'm going to say. But during one of those, one of those sessions, I, I started to cry and it was so sweet. Like everybody in the comments was like, you know, thank you so much for your vulnerability. Cause they could tell it was genuine. It was a spontaneous emotion that like came up to the surface and old me would have been like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I would have been embarrassed. And I just let myself cry. And I just wiped my tears as they came. And I continued to communicate and I breathed and I did my breathing and it was like, okay. And I let the emotion pass through me. I didn't let it, you know, deregulate me or take me out at the knees or whatever. And again, I'm not saying that those big kind of crying episodes are bad. I'm just saying I'm now able to come back to center pretty quickly. I feel the feeling and, and we're back. And it's not because I'm rushing it. It's not because whatever. It's just that I let myself feel it fully. And when you let yourself fully feel it, and then it's like, it moves through you. And I think that's healthy and healing. So I hope you allow that for yourself too. And I think we also need to do better um, around this whole thing about um, men shouldn't cry and boys shouldn't cry and all this fucking bullshit that we, that we do. Um, it's like, we're all human, you know, we're all human and we all have feelings no matter what they've tried to program into you and so those screwed up beliefs and how they've tried to indoctrinate you into quote unquote, real men don't cry, whatever that even means. So all my listeners, however you identify, uh, just allow yourself to feel so that you can heal and then the world can heal. Because as you take better care of your emotional well-being, which affects your physical well-being, which affects your mental well-being, which ultimately your spiritual well-being, your ex consciousness and your expansiveness, like, oh, so much better when we just stop fighting it. Okay. I love you guys. I can't wait to tell you more about what I'm up to. Um, and also the last thing I want to say is I've become aware that I say, um, a lot. And while it doesn't, I don't catch it often when I'm saying it, but if I listen back to something, I'm like, oh, I said that a bunch of times. So I'm going to try and catch myself so that I don't say it as often. I don't edit my podcast. So uh, whatever happens, it just kind of stays in there. So I had to listen back to something I did the other day. And I was like, Ooh, I said that a lot. So that's another thing I'm working on. I'm always working on, I'm always working on removing the unnecessary. So what is necessary may speak. So here's the deal. Uh, the nest is the last thing I'm gonna say, the nest is opening up in April. So if you dig this show, if you dig the content, if you like what we talk about, if you love learning about spiritual transformation, uh, transforming from the inside out, becoming your most true self, returning to love, returning to that, mm, that hardiness, that inner strength that I'm talking about, the nest could be for you. So get on the waiting list. If it calls to your hat, karenkenny.com slash nest. All right, you guys, wherever you go, leave the people, the place, the animals, the environment, and yourself 
better than how you found it. Wherever you go, may you be a blessing. Bye. Hey, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Karen Kenny Show. (laughs) I super duper appreciate your time, friendship and support. And look, if something that I shared from my heart today somehow landed in yours, I'd love to hear about it. So please tag me on Facebook or Instagram or IG stories or wherever the cool kids are hanging out these days. And let me know what your favorite pot was or what you found most helpful. You can find me over at Karen Kenny Live. That's Karen, K-E-N-N-E-Y-L-I-V-E. And if you're digging what I'm saying and you want to hear more, I'd be wicked grateful if you could go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a review because you guys, that's how you'll help me to keep spreading the love. And if you can think of someone that could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. I'd also love to stay connected with you. So if the feeling is mutual, please go to karenkenny.com backslash freebie and download my free guide to building your spiritual team. Until next time, my brothers and sisters, keep living in the fearless flow. Know that I see you, I appreciate you, and I love you. And wherever you go, may you be a blessing.